Hey everyone, welcome back into the BT Powerhouse Podcast. My name is Thomas Bendit. I am your host as always. It is February 3rd. It's Super Bowl Sunday uh, in the evening. Today's, uh, I guess, game for the Big Ten uh, is wrapped up. Um, so I, we wanted to get back. It seemed like a good time to, to host uh, the BT Powerhouse Podcast. We haven't been back in, in some time. Um, and I keep breaking my promises to do these more regularly on the podcast, uh, so I, I won't be making that promise this time, um, but we have a lot to talk about this time uh, with a really, really fun slate of games this week, particularly over the weekend. Michigan went down on Friday, Purdue scored a huge win on Sunday, and Michigan State was a, upset on Saturday, and uh, I'll touch on you know some of the things that have gone on in the league here over the last couple of weeks, um, but I really wanted to talk about uh, some of the the big events with regard to Purdue, who has just had a, a heck of a run here uh, recently. So to help us chat about it, we have Travis from Hammer and Rails. Hey man, how's it going? Pretty good. How about yourself? Good, good. Happy to have you uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. Hopefully I'm not interrupting the party uh, too much, um, but did want to get you on to, to chat about Purdue. So uh, things things seem to be going pretty well for you guys. Most definitely. Uh, today was a pretty impressive comeback at, at West Lafayette. I know I was a little bit concerned there down 13 in the second half, and then things just seemed to turn Purdue's way. I don't know if it was just the magic of Mackey Arena or just getting shots or whatever, but Purdue really turned up its defense and outscored Minnesota 39-16 over the final 14 minutes. And one of our most impressive stretches of play all year long, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think uh, it's it's safe to say Purdue has been on uh, a real big tear here. Uh, over the last 11 games, Purdue is 10-1. and the only loss was on the road against Michigan State on January 8th, so we're nearly a month removed from the, the last loss. Um, Purdue has beat Michigan State. They beat Ohio State on the road. They beat our tribal Indiana. They beat Wisconsin on the road. Um, what what has been the difference here? Uh, um, I, I kind of have my, my take, but from Purdue's perspective, uh, what has really led to this I don't necessarily want to call it a resurgence, but this surge here over the last month or so. I think the biggest thing is the addition of Trevion Williams to the lineup. Uh, he really was not used a whole lot and even had a couple of uh, DMP coaches' decisions early in the season. And then he got some extended run against Notre Dame in the Crossroads Classic where we were trailing big, and he was really successful in the second half of that game. And things seemed to turn around after that one. I know I was at that game, and Painter was – pretty critical of his own team about how he needed to get everybody on board and whatnot and wasn't so much it was a pretty polite dressing down but if you read between the lines he was definitely not happy with the way things were going in the locker room and these players just seemed to dial in for that and got uh all got on the same page had a couple of uh, nice home wins over ohio and belmont which almost a pretty good team uh and then once the big 10 play started uh, they've just been playing some really, really good basketball. I know that the game at Michigan State was not the best, but there's no shame at all in losing in East Lansing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so I guess I, I want to present sort of a, a theory, and uh, once, I, once I've once i thrown it out here, let me know your thoughts. 
Um, because my my perspective on Purdue was coming into the season, they lost so much in the offseason. You know, obviously Carson Edwards was back, but generally speaking, uh, all the key guys were gone from last year's team. Uh, so you knew there, were, there would be a little growth there early on. Um, but I, I frankly, I think Purdue has been pretty good since the start of the season. I think they lost a, a bunch of really, really good teams early on. You know, they lose at Florida State. They lose at Michigan. Virginia Tech on a neutral court. All three of those teams are top 30 teams on Ken Palm. Um, and I, I think a little bit, you know, maybe they're five or ten points better uh, than they were early on, but that is enough to where they can start beating these teams. Um, do you agree with that uh, general narrative, or, or do you think it really has been this is a different team than it was early on? I think you kind of have to look at the way some of those losses happen, too. I know mm-hmm. Florida State, we had an eight-point lead at the last uh, at the last media timeout and got outscored 9 nothing because the offense just kind of fell apart. And then mm-hmm. you had Texas where Carson Edwards had 40 points and everyone else was just kind of standing around and was like, wow, Carson, you're having a great game. So, and then I know <laughs> at Michigan State, Carson had a bad game and the, it, I think a lot of it was just getting guys to develop and getting guys to really come along. I, I see a guy like Eric Hunter who was playing big minutes, but he wasn't even getting – he wasn't scoring at all. And it's like if he – we need him to be a guy that gets, you know, three to five points a night. That can be a huge difference when you were losing games by a possession or two. You had uh, Grady Eifert. A lot of people were wanting him to be benched, and I, I – I can't remember which game it was, but I know there was one game where I think he played 23 minutes, didn't even attempt a shot. And then today wow. he has two of the biggest plays to clinch the game. He has just an absolute dagger of a three and late in the shot clock. And then the next possession down, he has a great assist to Harms for a three-point play. So it's it's really is a combination of everything where guys just got a little bit better. They've kind of found their role. Mm-hmm. And then – I still think Williams is kind of the biggest one because he really was not playing before the Notre Dame game. He he got some very limited minutes, and he has taken advantage of the time he's been given to even move into the starting lineup now, and it's just impressive to see him just take over and be the force that he has been because he was pretty much our only consistent offense today in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let's spin a little bit from, you know, Purdue's run here and, and talk at least uh, spend a minute or two talking about Carson Edwards, who has just been phenomenal uh, over the course of the season and, and frankly his entire career uh, in West Lafayette. Um, Ken Palm, they have him as fifth in their statistical format for player of the year. Um, Ethan Happ from Wisconsin is above him. Um, but how how good is Edwards? I mean, we all know he's good, but um, Purdue's had a, some really special players come through in the last couple of years. Um, where where do you kind of uh, see Edwards, I guess, uh, all time in, in terms of Purdue and certainly realizing he, he has at least two months left of play? <laughs> uh, Carson Carson's just a special player. I think it said a lot last year when you had the four seniors that we had, and he's the one that ended up winning a national award when he won the Jerry West Award. He, mm-hmm. He's just a ton of fun to watch, and I'm thinking about Penn State on Thursday night when he just went nuts. He had 38 points, <laughs> and for a while there in the first half, you were thinking he might go for 50 or 60. I mean, it's just it, – and there's been a lot of games where he's gotten his points because he's had the volume chuck, really, and 
you you felt like a you felt like a game like Penn State was coming where everything was going to be falling, and that's kind of what happened early on. I think he had five threes in the first you know seven or eight minutes of the game, and really he's a guy that he could push for. I I think the Big Ten scoring record in a single game is sixty one by Rick Mount, and hmm. you just get the sense that he could have a night where if everything's falling. He could he could make a run for it, and uh, he's got he's had a pair of forty point games in his career. He probably could have been over forty against Penn State, uh, but we were getting the ball to Nigel Eastern instead of him for the free throws at the end. And he's just so much fun to watch. And I, I really I selfishly hope that he will stay <laughs> after this season. But I can I can completely understand if he wants to go and make a run. And it just kind of depends on what his draft stock is and what the league thinks of him after the season. Cause I imagine he'll explore the draft waters again and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll just kind of wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a guy who covers the big 10, I mean, I, I love having guys like Carson Edwards in there. They're just the, the special players. It, may, it makes it more fun. Um, but with that, with that said, uh, I'm, I'm sure you, you have checked into this at, at this point. Um, but this is something that, that I sort of came to terms with last Sunday after Purdue beat, Michigan State at home was that Purdue is going to be a factor in this Big Ten title race. And Purdue, they beat Penn State on the road on Thursday. They beat Minnesota with a comeback win earlier today. Purdue's sitting at 9-2 and two in the Big Ten. They're tied with Michigan, Michigan State at this point. And I don't know if, if you've looked at the advanced stats or anything like that yet today um, after the game, but Ken Palm now has Purdue favored in every single remaining game. Uh, they don't play Michigan again. They don't play Michigan State again. They don't play Wisconsin again, who are arguably the the three other top teams in the Big Ten. Um, what do you see as, as Purdue's chances uh, to win the Big Ten at this point? I think we've got a really, really good chance. Uh, I, we got some really big gifts this weekend for sure. Uh, Iowa <laughs> holding court at home against Michigan was very nice. Uh, and that was a surprise, but not a really big surprise. But obviously Indiana – Losing seven in yeah. a row and then going up and winning in East Lansing—that was that was a stunner. I, I was really shocked by that. So, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, a, a lot of people in our mentions were like, "The well, I really hate cheering for Indiana, but it does help us." So, <laughs> I guess uh, we'll take it. And, uh, at least they finished off the win, and they didn't do the lose by one at the very end and tease us as opposed to getting blown out or something. So, uh, but as far as our schedule, nine games to go. I think uh, I think we've got a real shot, honestly. Uh, four games at home, and today I, I feel like today we dodged the bullet. Like if we were going to lose a game at Mackey, being down 13 in the second half was was going to be it. And I know that Minnesota came in two years ago and is one of the very few teams to actually win a Mackey Arena in the last five years. Yeah. So uh, we got Nebraska, we got Penn State, we got Illinois and Ohio State at home. I I tend to think we're going to get all four of those, you know, Ohio State kind of concerns me in that last game because you just never know when they're going to put it together. But Nebraska next week, uh, with without Copeland, I I don't give them, you know, I, I they just have not been the same without Copeland. And then I would be really stunned if we lost to Penn State and Illinois at home. But And then you go on the road, nothing's easy on the road in the Big Ten. I mean, you saw what yeah. happened to Penn State and they were 0-10. Um I think our toughest game is going to be at Maryland. I would not be shocked if we lost that one. We only beat them by two earlier in the season uh, in Mackey Arena, and they're always tough at home. 
and then you can't count out Indiana. Uh, I'm thinking back to 2010, the team with Johnson, Moore, and Hummel that was in the top five, and Indiana was sanction-riddled and was kind of at the bottom of the rebuild before it really got going under Tom Crean, and they played us to a three-point game in Bloomington. So you you don't count any win in Bloomington until it's actually done, and we've never won three in a row in Bloomington, and we've won the last two going into this one. So that's always <laughs> going to be tough. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, again, Minnesota. Minnesota played really, really well with us today, and we still have to go up there, and uh, that's a uh, house of horrors for us, honestly. We have, you know, there's still – it's been nine years, and – people flip out over playing up there with what happened to Robbie Hummel and everything. So it's not going to be easy, uh, but we've got a really good shot and it helps that Michigan and Michigan state still have to play each other. So there's two Mm -hmm. losses amongst the, amongst them. And if they can get a split, if they split it with each other and we somehow go eight and one down the stretch, we know that we're at least going to get a share of the title and that would be wonderful when last year, essentially, we were one rebound away from splitting the title with Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I looking at the schedule here, like you said, I, Maryland looks like the, the really difficult one on the road, uh, which is uh, February 12th, so a week and a half or so. Uh, but, yeah, Indiana on the road. Other than that, most of these are very, very winnable games. So we'll see. I, I think Purdue will probably drop one or two of these just because it's the Big Ten. Uh, but they're, they're looking, they're looking uh, <laughs> pretty good to, to have a shot at a, at least a share of this um, through March. Uh, but moving past that, and uh, I'll let you go after this. Um, but what what do you kind of see as this team's potential uh, in March? Because certainly we have a long ways to go. You know, it's it's February third. Uh, we have all of uh, what nine games or, or whatnot, eight nine games left of Big Ten play, and then the Big Ten tournament. And then we got to see how the seeding works out. But it, I mean, Purdue's top 10 on Ken Palm at this point. They've beaten Michigan State. They're reeling off wins. Uh, what do you see as the team's potential in March at this point? Uh, like you said, it, it kind of just depends on the seeding and the draw that they get. Uh, if you told me back in late December that we were going to be in the running for a three, and I know Lunardi had us somewhat approaching a two seed even. I, w- I would have been mm-hmm. stunned, but they've played a tough schedule. They And what I've liked about this team is they've shown a lot of versatility, too. And They've won games when they've been hitting threes. They won today by pounding it inside with Williams, and Matt Harms had a good game. They're, they're a real versatile team, and they seem to be able to shake off a lot. And it, it's a little bit different of a Purdue team than what we had even last year. But uh, that said, I've been a Purdue fan a long, long time. And I know it's it's almost like PTSD at this point with March, and you don't want to count anything before it happens. Uh, you look at Painter's, arguably his two best teams were derailed in March by critical injuries at the absolute worst time. So, yeah. you know, I think that they can get to a third straight Sweet 16. That would be wonderful. And especially in a season where we – it looked for a long time like we were – would we even make the tournament? Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, get to, get back to another Sweet 16, have a shot of finally getting beyond that, I would uh, I would definitely take that this year. And <laughs> I think a lot of Purdue fans would too. And, you know, you just never know when you're going to have that breakthrough. I think we're sitting at five straight years where a seven-seater worse has made a Final Four. 
on the downside, if you're a Purdue fan, that's a frustrating statistic. You're like, oh, come on, Loyola, Illinois is coming out of nowhere to the Final Fours, and we can't do it. But on the other side, maybe, maybe just once, it'll finally be our year, and we'll get the breaks in March because we're we're certainly owed it. It's been 40 years. That's that's long enough, and there have been good enough teams that should have made a Final Four in that 40 years. There's been at least four or five that were good enough to make it that far. And I, I think that would just be a phenomenal boost for the program and everything else to just finally get that run and break through. And, you know, maybe, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. But if it does, boy, that'd be a lot of fun. Um, well, before before we go, uh, let let people know where they can check out your stuff. And additionally, if you have a uh, Super Bowl prediction, uh, let us know. Uh, well, I'm on uh, HammerAndRails.com, and that's at HammerAndRails. My personal Twitter is at JustTML. And uh, as far as the Super Bowl, I, I can't count out the Patriots, honestly. And <laughs> it, it's kind of bizarre that this is the 20th straight year that a member – uh, a Purdue football alum has been involved in the Super Bowl. Uh, hmm. Nobody's actually going to be playing, but Jawan Bentley, the linebacker, is on injured reserve for the Patriots, and the Patriots have never lost a Super Bowl in which they've had a – or <laughs> all of their Super Bowl wins have had at least one Purdue player on the roster. So, <laughs> Interesting note. Interesting uh, note. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, a lot of those were uh, – Matt Light was – the left tackle for Tom Brady for the first three Super Bowls they won, and then Rob Ninkovich won the other two. And there's been a couple of others that have gotten one or two rings <laughs> in there. But, uh, yeah, they, they've actually been a large part of the of, of the Patriots' success. And you know what? I'll still claim Danny Etling, too, even though he transferred to LSU, and he's on the Patriots' practice <laughs> squad. <so. laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, enjoy the game. Thanks for coming on. And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll look forward to seeing what Purdue can do in the next couple of weeks. All right. Thanks for having me, Thomas. I appreciate it. <laughs> thanks. Um, again, that was uh, Travis Hammer and Rails. They do our Purdue coverage for SB Nation. If you're interested in Purdue at all, you're a fan or whatnot, uh, definitely check them out. Um, and to just reiterate some of the things we were talking about with Travis here. Uh, yeah, I mean, Michigan goes down to Iowa on Friday night. Michigan State goes down to Indiana on Saturday. At this point, Purdue is not only a legit Big Ten title contender, uh, frankly, I, I think in a lot of ways they have the, the easiest route uh, to finish up. Michigan, Michigan State, they have to play each other twice, the game in Ann Arbor and then the game in East Lansing. Michigan has to play Maryland twice still down the stretch. They get Wisconsin at home on Saturday. Uh, they also have um, what could be a, a very, very desperate uh, Nebraska team at the end of February. Uh, and Michigan State, meanwhile, you know, of course, they get the two games against Michigan. They're going to get Wisconsin on the road uh, on February 12th. They're also going to get Indiana on the road, who they just lost to. So I, I think in some ways you look at Purdue's schedule, and it's like they they have a, a real clear path here to win the title. Uh, having said that, you know, this is Big Ten basketball. Uh, Purdue easily could have lost to Penn State earlier this week. That was an overtime game. They easily could have lost at Wisconsin um, earlier this month. Um, and today against Minnesota, they needed a big second-half comeback to, to win that game. So it would not shock me in the slightest if they if Purdue went to Maryland and lost. would not shock me at all if they lost at Indiana or at Nebraska. Um, and they play at Minnesota and at Northwestern at the end. So Purdue 
uh, I think is very, very, very good at home. Uh, I talked about that on the podcast that I think Purdue um, at home in Mackey Arena uh, is going to be nearly unbeatable this year, which has, has proven itself so far. But on the road, a little more inconsistent. They've been good the last couple of outings. Um, kind of stole that game at <laughs> Penn State earlier this week. Um, but they're going to have to uh, play well on the road if they want to get this title. That's what it's going to come down to for Purdue. For Michigan, Michigan State, it's really going to come down to what do you do against the other, you know, those two rivalry games and then the other uh, couple of big games. So the championship race is really intriguing. And the other thing I would add as well is um, – Wisconsin's only a game back. They still get Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, they could easily uh, win both those games. Um, now, granted, uh, the game in Ann Arbor is not going to be easy. You know, certainly the Spartans uh, are playing overall. Uh, the last couple of months have been playing very well. So Wisconsin will have its work cut out. But Wisconsin has an avenue as well. I, I would not pick to Wisconsin to win the Big Ten title at this time. But I think those are the four teams that I think still have a realistic shot. Uh, you know, Maryland's two games back now. Um, they're really going to have to play well and honestly get a little luck. Um, they probably, they're probably going to have to win all those games against the others. You know, Maryland's going to need to beat Michigan. They're going to need to beat Purdue. Odds are they'll probably slip up uh, in one of those games down the stretch. So I think there's four, it's a four-team race for the Big Ten title at this point. I think Michigan State, Michigan, Purdue, and um, Wisconsin, with Wisconsin obviously being the dark horse contender as of now. Um, moving back, a, a little more big picture stuff right now that I, I sort of wanted to react to, give some thoughts on. Um, I want to start first with with the NCAA uh, check-in. We're now through about halfway of uh, Big Ten conference play. Every team has played at least 10 Big Ten league games. So we have a pretty good idea of where they're sitting, where things are trending going forward. So I just wanted to touch on the NCAA stuff at this point, and then I wanted to hit on two or three teams um, and get out of here so I can I can uh, eat some pizza or something and watch the Super Bowl. So first off, uh, those four teams I just talked about uh, contending for the Big Ten title, being Michigan State, Michigan, Purdue, Wisconsin, I think all four of those teams are in outstanding shape to make the tournament. Frankly, Michigan, Michigan State are probably already in <laughs> at this point. Um, they would honestly probably take them losing out to miss at this point. So I think all four of those are very, very, very safe bets. I don't think there's much to really be concerned about with those guys. Uh, next two teams, Maryland and Iowa. I think both of those teams are in very good shape um, to make the NCAA tournament. You know, the Terps. They've been on a little bit of a rough stretch. That Illinois loss uh, last Saturday really hurt them um, on Jan- January 22nd, uh, 22nd, January 26th, excuse me. They lost in Madison Square Garden to the Illini. That was a tough loss. That probably cost them, is going to cost them a seed line when all is said and done. But they beat Northwestern. The loss at Michigan State, the loss at Wisconsin, not really that concerning, nothing to be ashamed of. Um, the the big challenge now for, for Maryland is they have uh, plenty of winnable games down the stretch here. Um, you know, they're going to get uh, Nebraska, a reeling Nebraska on the road, uh, Purdue at home, uh, Iowa on the road, Ohio State at home, Penn State on the road. They got a lot of these games where they aren't locks, but they do have a, a chance at pulling off an upset. You know, for instance, if Maryland beats Purdue or Michigan, that's probably going to lock them in. 
that'll be a huge resume win. Uh, certainly, if they win at Michigan, that would be huge, huge for their their NCAA hopes. But overall, I, th- I think Maryland's in good shape. It's basically just you got to pick off a couple teams. Uh, Ken Palm has Maryland projected to finish with 21 regular season wins. If that happens, they'll be in uh, with ease. Uh, Iowa, similar situation. They knocked off Michigan on Friday. That was a huge, huge resume win. That's going to uh, come up huge for them on Selection Sunday when they get in that committee room. So I, I think that's something to really be excited about with regard to Iowa um, and where they're they're sitting. The other thing about Iowa is uh, they're also kind of in that situation where they got a lot of games coming up where they're winnable. You know, they get Indiana on the road. Um, Indiana has shown they're they're beatable in Assembly Hall this year. Uh, then Iowa's going to get Northwestern at home, Rutgers on the road, Maryland at home, Indiana at home. A lot of these games, you know, Iowa could win its next five, no problem. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising at all. But they also could lose maybe even four of those games. So it's it's kind of a double-edged sword here. But I, I think Iowa's in, in very good shape to make the tournament at this point, which would give the Big Ten six teams in the NCAA tournament. And then you get this mess. <laughs> uh, this just absolute mess of teams. Um, and I, I say that with uh, um, uh, <laughs> joking a little bit, but also kind of being serious as well. Um, the the team, and I'm, I'm working off, for those who are wondering what I'm working off of here, uh, T-Rank, uh, it's a site that Bark uh, Torvik uses. He's come on our podcast a few times, kind of like Ken Palm, but he has a bracketology system uh, that uses a, a variety of factors. So I'm working off his list right here. I prefer his bracketology over, for instance, Lenardi, those kind of uh, guys. So the next team he has in is Ohio State, uh, who frankly, I think they're in they're in okay position to make the tournament. I think they're sitting on the right side of the bubble right now. T-Rank has them as an eight seed, which would imply that they have they have some room for error but they are certainly not in, <laughs> they're not a lock at any point um, or excuse me, by any stretch at this point. Uh, but I, Ohio state has plenty of wins left on the, on the docket here. They get Penn state at home. They get Illinois at home. They get Northwestern at home. They get Northwestern on the road. Um, that's uh, uh, what three, four games right there. Um, yeah. Four, four games. If they add four there, they're at 18 wins, and that doesn't include any of the remaining games, a potential Big Ten tournament matchup or two. So I I think Ohio State's in pretty good shape to make the tournament at this point, but not in. Still still work to do, definitely. Uh, But they have have a margin for error. They They don't need to tear it up. They don't need to pull off upsets down the stretch. If they just win the games they're supposed to, they'll get in. They may not have a fantastic seed, but... I think they're on the right, the right side of things, but certainly uh, still more work to do. The next three, which are Nebraska, Minnesota, and Indiana. Uh, T-Rank has these guys as Nebraska is a 10 seed right now. Minnesota is 11 seed right now. Indiana is a 12 seed. Minnesota and Indiana on T-Rank are both playing games. So they're literally on the edge of being out right now. I think all three of these teams are in uh, right on the bubble. I don't think any of them are secure whatsoever. They all have enough games left on the docket to play their way in. They also have games left on the docket that they can play their way out. Uh, So I I think those three teams are going to be the bubble. um, And we'll see whether uh, 
the Big Ten can, you know, put up a just fantastic, fantastic showing um, and potentially get to, what would that be, like nine teams, something like that, uh, nine or, or ten teams in the NCAA tournament, which would be really, really impressive. Yeah, they have the sh- the Big Ten has a shot at ten teams in the tournament this year, um, which would be really, really impressive. Um, but all four of these teams could miss. You know, that wouldn't be shocking at all either. You know, Nebraska lost to Rutgers. Uh, Minnesota lost to Illinois. If these teams start losing to those lower-end teams or they can't pull off any upsets, it's going to be tough going. Um, and then the next, the next couple of teams here, um, which are uh, Northwestern and Rutgers, uh, surprisingly, I, I think Rutgers probably has the, the strongest resume of the bottom teams. Um, I think Northwestern's a, a solid candidate to make the NIT at this point. I think they're in decent shape there. Certainly, we'll see how things trend. The Wildcats haven't exactly been red hot lately. They've lost four of their last uh, six games. Um, Rutgers uh, would need uh, to really play well down the stretch. A couple more upset wins. Uh play well at home, probably a win or two in the Big Ten tournament, and they'll have a shot at, at the NIT. But I don't think anybody else has a shot at an at-large NCAA bid without something just miraculous. You know, if Northwestern just wins out essentially the rest of the regular season, okay, yeah, they'll probably get in. But that that is very, very unlikely to happen. So I, I think right now the Big Ten has uh, four teams that are pretty much in at this point. I think they have two more that are in very good shape in Iowa and Maryland. And then I think they have four other teams that are kind of uh, an interesting, uh, an interesting spot uh, to get in. And then there are two potential NIT teams outside of course, if, you know, Nebraska misses or Indiana misses, obviously they'll, they'll likely end up in the NIT um, all things considered. But so, yeah, that that's kind of where I see the big 10 sitting um, as far as overall projection going into the, uh, uh, February here for the NCAA tournament. Um, and then additionally, I, I did want to talk about the very high end part of the league. Um, Cause this is something that's going to start developing. Um, I think Michigan, Michigan state are both in very, very serious contention for one seeds this year. Um, we'll have to see how, how things trend. You know, if, if Michigan is, is blowing games every, every other weekend um, and Michigan state is blowing games at home, okay, maybe, maybe they won't get the one seeds, but I think both of them are, are very much in contention for one seeds right now. I think Purdue has an outside shot at a two seed, depending on how it plays here down the stretch and certainly the Big Ten tournament. But I think when all is said and done, Big Ten is probably going to end up with two teams as two seeds or higher, which I think would be a really, really good showing. And if they get you know, potentially eight or nine teams in the NCAA tournament, I, I think the Big Ten has a great shot at having a awesome showing uh, on the second weekend, you know, getting a bunch, you know, four or five teams into the sweet 16, which would be really exciting to see. But that's, that's sort of how I see the NCAA stuff um, trending here uh, as we enter into February. Um, Last thing, uh, like I said, I just wanted to hit on uh, a couple teams here before we jump off. And specifically um, I wanted to touch on uh, two teams that I think are really showing something uh, the first was Purdue, which we, we already talked about in depth, so I'm not going to talk about them anymore. But um, so the other other two teams, uh, Iowa, been really exciting about excited about their play recently. You know, they did – I know they have lost two of their last three, which isn't necessarily really exciting on paper, but 
They lost to a really good Michigan State team at home. And then they lost on the road to Minnesota in a pretty competitive game. But they beat Michigan. Uh, they've won these games that they're supposed to win for the most part over the last month or so. Um, and they have a pretty manageable slate going forward. So I think Iowa's a potential uh, wild card to watch as we go toward uh, the Big Ten tournament. You know, I could see them potentially landing as like the five seed or something and really causing some chaos in the old uh, Big Ten tournament. So we'll we'll see what Iowa can do. But they're a team that I've been excited about. Also, uh, Rutgers, you know, I have to give some props to the Scarlet Knights. Uh, Steve Peichel, they did lose on Saturday on the road against Ohio State, but Rutgers has won three of the last four games. They beat Nebraska at home. They beat Penn State on the road. They beat Indiana at home. Um, they also beat Ohio State earlier this season and Miami of Florida on the road in November. So it, it's been a really exciting season for the Scarlet Knights. Overall record, not that impressive. Still probably going to finish with a losing overall record this season, but you're seeing signs that, that things are starting to grow. Um, it's also a, a pretty young team. So if uh, Pico can, can keep some of these guys around for another year or two, he, he could have a base of, of something real special, uh, a team that potentially, you know, maybe in a year or two could be a factor for a tournament bid. Uh, we'll see, but um, ha- had to give them a shout out. Uh, on the other side, two teams that, I think are really, really heading in the wrong direction. Um, first off, Penn State. Penn State is now 0-10 in Big Ten play. They went winless in the month of January. Uh, notably, this is the second time that Pat Chambers has started 0-10 uh, in Big Ten play in a given season uh, during his tenure uh, with the Nittany Lions. Uh, Pat Chambers really, really, I mean, I, I – I have given up trying to speculate as far as the hot seat with Pat Chambers, because I remember having this exact same discussion two or three years ago on the podcast. Um, But I think it's going to be a hard sell to bring Pat Chambers back for another season. There's still plenty of time left. You know, we just rolled into February Penn state still has 10 regular season games left. They could win the big 10 tournament. It's all possible. Um, So I'm certainly not, not writing them off yet, but Things do not look good for the Nittany Lions. That's that's all I have to say. And and frankly, they have more than enough talent uh, to be winless in Big Ten play at this point. They should have already won a game or two by now, at least. So that's Penn State. We'll see how that goes. The other one is Nebraska. Nebraska's in a, a total free fall right now. They've lost five straight. They've lost seven of their last nine games. Um, the Huskers just are not playing great basketball right now. Uh, Copeland is out now with injury for the rest of the year. He's not going to be coming back. And Tim Miles and his staff got to get this thing figured out because they were in great shape coming out of non-conference play to make the NCAA tournament. And now as we sit here today, you know, we just talked about the, the tournament bit. They are a loss or two away from being on the wrong side of the bubble. And they have a lot of difficult games remaining. They still got to play at Michigan, at Purdue, and at Michigan State. It's going to be – it'll be impressive if they win even one of those games. So you're talking about throwing three losses on there before we even get into any of the other games. You know, they also play uh, at Penn State. You know, they got Minnesota coming in, um, Maryland coming in. So there, there's a lot of challenges ahead for the Huskers, and this is a big time for Tim Miles because I think fans are going to be really, really disappointed if um, they end this season with, with all these roster pieces – with all the momentum from last season 
and they can't even get into the NCAA tournament or frankly even get close. So we'll see, but um, not, not, not a good look uh, for the Huskers, but with that, um, I'm going to jump off of here. Uh, as far as the Super Bowl, a lot of you guys will be listening to this uh, after I've, um, the Super Bowl's already happened, so you'll already know the result. But I think the Rams, I have the Rams tonight. I think they're going to get some pressure on Brady with that D-line, and I think that's going to be the difference. But we'll see. Um, always exciting. Uh, Patriots and Brady kind of have a, a strong history of putting together some exciting games in the Super Bowl. So hopefully that will be true again. We get a good game. Um, but with that, I'm going to sign off. You can follow me on Twitter at T and we'll see you all next time.